0: Hey, friends, and welcome to Typology. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we want to congratulate Ian on the success of his new book, The Road Back to You, An Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery, has sold nearly 100,000 copies in its first year. And more importantly, we wanted to thank you for helping to make that come true. If you haven't read the book yet, go to Amazon, iTunes, or wherever your local books are sold and grab a copy. Now, moving along, we've got a great show for you today, a really, really great show. But before we get to that, here are a few things that you'll want to know. First, if you're new to the Enneagram and want to learn more about it, go to the podcast page at www.typologypodcast.com. That's dot com, and download a free chapter from Ian's book, The road back to you titled Finding Your Type. Or if you'd rather listen to a quick introduction to the Enneagram rather than read one, you can download and listen to our very first episode titled Introducing Typology and the Enneagram on the podcast page as well. Second, while you're on the Typology website, visit the About page and take the introductory Enneagram assessment to start the journey toward identifying your Enneagram number. Finally, at the end of the show, Ian offers a few practical suggestions relating to the number that we discussed this week, so be sure and listen all the way through to the end. And now, I'd like to give a shout out to a few of our Patreon supporters Michael Wilson, Christy Brazelton, Monica Albin, Brenda Baird, Barry Pierman, Lynn Elgin, Andrew Fayle, John Bryant, Amy Thompson. Julianne Reeder, Amy Mills, Deb Fair, and Anna Chappa. Your contributions are so greatly appreciated. Thank you. If any of you out there would like to help out as well, you may go to www.patreon.com forward slash typology. And now, here's the host of our show, Ian Cron. Hey, Typology
1: Tribe. This is Ian Cron, and I am so excited today to welcome my friend, the singer-songwriter Matthew Perryman Jones, to Typology. Matthew released his debut album "Nowhere Else But Here" in 2000, and he's released three additional albums since. They're throwing punches in the dark, swallow the sea, and land of the living. Some of his songs have been featured in films and TV placements. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And today he's here to talk to us about life as an Enneagram 4. So let's get to it. Matthew, welcome to Typology. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I'm thrilled today because I, like you, am uh, am an Enneagram (laughs) 4. And so I'm hoping that you can help figure me out uh, <laughs> as uh, during our time together. When did you first encounter the Enneagram?
2: Uh, about Jesus, maybe 17 years ago. I was on tour with our friends Don and Lori Chaffer. Oh boy! And uh, they had the Richard Rohr book, and they were kind of they were reading it, and, and it was a point of discussion, and and I was immediately fascinated because I've always been fascinated with personality. Stuff, and so uh, and this was totally new. I'd not heard about it and it had a funky uh you know weird uh, graphic design on the front that was intriguing and so i yeah I, I I started reading about it and and in reading some of that i kind of I read about the four and and immediately uh, resonated with a lot of what I was reading.
1: Well, first of all, you were with Don Chaffer right. and a mutual friend, amazing songwriter, mm-hmm. beyond just, he's just a fascinating, amazing human being, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, what a four. Uh, what was it like for you to be on tour with Don Chaffer? Were you like <laughs> in a bus together? I mean, were you? We
2: were in a van together. It was just the three of us. And um, we were just hopping around the country. Uh, uh, I, I, I think at the time I had not known them really well at all. They asked me to, to hit the road with them and... um I immediately, I mean, I, I love them immediately. Uh, and you're right, Don is 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 sort of the four to the core. Uh, I, I've all, yeah. He, uh, both he and Laurie are uh, are just um, wonderful characters, mm-hmm. and Don especially is the he's the louder character for sure. Um, but yeah, I was immediately drawn to them, and Don is is just a one of a kind for sure.
1: So for our folks who don't know perhaps the Enneagram as well as others, the the four, the Enneagram fours are called the individualists, sometimes the romantics, sometimes the tragic artists or the tragic romantics. Mm. How would you, if someone said to you, so Matthew, describe what a four is. How would you describe fours to other people? Mm. Wow.
2: Oh, geez. How would I describe a four? Um, I mean, I've always seen fours fours in particular of just having uh I would say one mainly just a very rich internal life people who are very much living inside themselves uh if that makes I know it makes sense to you uh yeah so just very internal people um having a very uh wild and rich interior life um and so I think that's I think that initially is sort of a, a hallmark of a four, um, uh, and uh, and naturally with that, a lot of creativity and um, uh, sort of a, a sensibility to aesthetic and beauty and meaning and all of that stuff. That, that those are sort of the the hallmarks I pick out when I, when, if I were to describe a four, what is a four or to pick them out, which I guess you're not really supposed to be doing, but you kind of spot it, you know, people who have a a very, um, acute sense of, uh, of beauty and, and interpret, interpreting that beauty in a Mm -hmm. way. I guess that's part of the internal thing. I think, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would say, I don't know. Does that a good job? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's just the artists because I know people who are not artists and I think that's a, that's a, a misunderstanding a lot. Is if you're an artist, you must be a four or whatever. Right. Well, I always um,
1: laugh and say, you know, if you go down to uh, Greenwich Village or here in Nashville, 12 South, you'll see a lot of threes dressed up like fours. Yes,
2: threes and sevens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- yeah, I've always said that in this town. There's a lot of threes and sevens and, and a handful of fours. Um, and and I I think at the more I learned about four, the 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 less I wanted to be, to be one, I know, or to yeah. be, I, you know, I think that's I think that's part of the deal when you start to really r- dig in and you and you see the the ugly side, right. and you're kind of kind of uh, put off by yourself in mm-hmm. a way. You're kind of like, "Jesus is so true," and how annoying is this? You know, <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's that's usually, I've heard that that's usually a good sign is when you start reading uh, the sort of the the. the the non-positive sides of a number and you get viscerally reactive to it. Um, Like, gosh, that's why it's like usually a sign. Like that's, that's right there. That's right inside yourself. Yeah.
1: It's getting too close for comfort, right? Yeah. So one of the things that I think it's important for folks to know about is that fours um, experience themselves as people who are missing something essential at their core, that Mm -hmm. there's something in their makeup that's absent uh, there's something that therefore, everybody else has that they don't mm-hmm. that um, allows them to live in the world in a way that's more comfortable than the four, you know? Mm-hmm. And the four usually can't name what this missing piece is, what this tragic flaw is at the center of their person. It's vague. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's nameless. Um, they just feel like I'm different. There's something about me that disqualifies me from belonging in the world mm-hmm. Um, So it's always this nose pressed against the glass experience for fours. Is that what you mean by the I mean, is that the is that the way that your interior world feels? And
2: for sure. Yeah, I guess that that is one aspect of the darker side of the four, I suppose, is that sort of that missing piece, that Mm -hmm. sense of. Um, not belonging, not getting the memo. That's I've said that a lot. I just not feel like getting I, the memo. I just didn't get the memo. I oh feel my like, gosh, that's an amazing. I feel line. like everyone in this room got the memo, and I didn't. Like, I just <laughs> I don't. That's one of the best things I've ever heard. <laughs> but I think that's, and that's kind of one of the things is that um I have I personally have felt that I would I mean most of my life that I can remember is a sense just and, and it's exactly how you put it there. It's sort of vague. It's, uh, I don't know exactly what it is. Can't put my finger on what that thing is, but I just know I don't have what everybody else in this room has, whether, you know, it's a, it's just a way of being just a sort of a way of being in the room. Um, I feel like I don't, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Just like I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't have what these people have and whatever that is. I don't mm. know. I still haven't been able to answer that really.
1: Yeah. Richard Rohr says that fours have a secret shame, mm. which I always think is a, a, a helpful term, uh, turn of phrase, you know, to describe the interior life of fours. Mm. Beatrice Chestnut, uh, the phrase, and this was the moment when I knew I was a four. Mm. And yeah, she described fours as having a sense of irredeemable deficiency. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, that is precisely how I felt as a kid growing up, Mm -hmm. that I was lacking something other people had Mm -hmm. and that, you know, it it was a, you know, kind of a, I don't want to say, it was a kind of a feeling of being cursed somehow. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like what is it that Mm -hmm. I'm missing that Mm -hmm. prevents me from living comfortably and happily in the world like Mm -hmm. everybody else? So if I if I were to talk to your parents or your siblings, how many siblings do you have? You have... Three. three. I'm one of four. All right. So if, 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 I got, if we had to sit down with your family, you know, like a little intervention for Matthew. <laughs> uh, and I said to him, tell me what Matthew was like as a kid. What, huh. what would they say?
2: Ah, interesting. It's funny. I was just at my sister's for Thanksgiving and we had some of these conversations just about being kids. And she was talking a little bit about me and I was at, I have three daughters and I was like, you know, which one of these reminds you of me? And my middle, Naomi, she was like, definitely Naomi. She's like, you were the quiet sort of one sort of in the back ground a little bit. Always just kind of observing and, and, but also, you know, very engaging and not, I was shy for, I mean, it's funny. I was shy and I wasn't shy. I had this sort of strange um thing where I, you know, I, I could go and talk to a group of people at the beach as a kid and had no qualms about that. But then other situations, found myself very shy. But um, yeah, I guess if my family would describe me growing up, um, I guess, um, age wise, I mean, if you're talking as a kid, I was definitely a quiet kid. Um, I was also i had also had this sort of entertainer streak, like a, a sort of a, a desire to bring something enjoyable which kind of looked seven-ish I guess if you were to you know um uh and actually it's funny I've had a lot of friends who growing up with me said I looked more like a seven growing up um in in the sense of how I I kind of had this sort of lust for life thing I could could look like a seven I wasn't driven out of I don't think what a seven would be driven by but um but i did, i think and i think for, not to get off track too much like 4s and 7s have some similar similarities in that and that there's there's some lust for life and i think 4s have that and i think that's partly why they're drawn to each other but um yeah as a kid just uh to myself very much uh i was always creative in some way um either creating a puppet show or um or picking a guitar up and strumming it i i was i was always sort of doing something um outward and um, sometimes flamboyant when I was a kid, I kind of lost that along the way. But when I was a kid, I was way more flamboyant and open and kind of wild and stuff. Um, but then there was this other part of me that was very quiet to myself, and mm-hmm. and um uh, and then as I got older, um, you know, my teen years, um, I would say internally I felt that very much. So I think that's when it uh, that sort of missing piece really. Became pronounced was in my teen years. That sort of I do not fit anywhere, um, and I was sort of a misfit kid. I hung out with sort of the miscellaneous crowd in, in high school, and you know, uh, you know, the, the John Hughes sort of, uh, you know, the, the 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 misfit John Hughes people. I mean, that was my era, and that's that's those were the people I hung out with, and I even then didn't quite feel. Like I fit.
1: You mean like in Breakfast Club, the movie Breakfast Club? Yeah, it?
2: Breakfast Club, or Pretty in Pink, or some kind of. I mean, I was a John Hughes junkie, um, and that was my era. That's that's when I grew up, and that's when I was in high school. Was that whole time, and that I re- I related to that so much. But yeah, I was definitely in sort of the the Ducky crowd, or the you know um, you know the Eric Stoltz crowd when in some kind of wonderful that sort of side, marginalized, you know, missile, I call it the miscellaneous crowd. Just kind of, you have people that nobody's really following the one thing. It's just a bunch of kind of turkeys, you know, hanging out with each other. So I, I definitely was in that crowd and even then didn't feel like I I kind of fit in anywhere. I didn't feel like I had a place Mm -hmm. and, um, and what, yeah, again, identity was a big thing too. What was my identity? Who am I? What's, what's. What's my thing, you know?
1: Yeah, and that's that's true of all those three numbers in the that heart space, right? Hmm. The twos, threes, and fours all have issues around identity, and that's why all three of them, all three of those numbers, uh, project images, hmm. right? So twos project uh, the helpers project this image of the affable, likable, chirpy. You know, how can I help you? Hmm. Um, flattering, complimentary. You know. And, type who can often be smothering and intrusive when not very healthy. Mm. Three is projecting an image of competency, of success, of, you know. And four is projecting an image of, you know, uniqueness and specialness, of course, which is the underlying motivation Mm -hmm. of the four, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a need, a compulsive need, to be special or Mm -hmm. unique. They relish in it. Mm -hmm. And they uh, embrace that identity. I mean, that is part of the identity, is I'm the special one, I'm the unique one, you Mm -hmm. know and uh they put that image out there because they think that that's the key uh to that will solve, solve the problem of their mm-hmm. missing piece mm-hmm. you know it's a compensatory gesture right? right if i can just be unique and special enough Maybe then I can get off the aisle of misfit toys and be mm. welcomed into community where mm. I belong. Of course, the problem is is that the harder you try to be unique and special, <laughs> the less likely it is that you're ever going to be brought back in to, <laughs> right. into the into the group because people are going right. to be looking at you like mm, you know you really are outside the group. Right. Right. You know, it's like through sort of a self defeating yeah. you know strategy. You
0: create it. Yeah. Well, you feel you're on the outside like Ducky, but at the same time, you sort of find yourself wishing you were Ducky, right? Of course. You love Ducky. (laughs) (laughs) He's so lovable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the passion of fours is envy. And that Mm -hmm. makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're always comparing yourself to other people, which fours are always doing, Mm -hmm. and you're looking around and you're thinking, gosh, everybody else seems to have what I'm missing and therefore their lives are happier than my life is. Mm -hmm. And- they're not suffering. They don't suffer as much as I do. Everyone else's life is easier than my <laughs> life, you know? Um, uh, I mean, force get addicted to their suffering. Sure. And I can yeah. look back at phases in my life, yeah. man, where I was deep into my own Absolutely. suffering as like a Jones, man. It was oh, like cool. an addiction, right? Uh-huh. So what's envy like for you? Like, what's been like cool. the history of envy in your life? Is that a, is that color of the water of your interior world, envy?
2: Yeah. You know... Um, I, it's funny. I, I at first, I was like, I don't think I'm a very envious person. I had to kind of explore that a little bit, and I realized, oh, geez, I am so much that way. I mean, I see, and it, I think it is part. It's tied to that thing of of what, they have it, they have that thing, whatever that is, or they seem to kind of easily move in the world, um, and I can't. And so, and and then I see the what I perceive the fruit of that being in other people, um, whether it's. Success or, um, you know, likability or whatever it is. I, I perceive that other people are more likable than me because of whatever this ease is that they have that I don't have. So, yeah, I realize a lot of times I I, I have compared myself. I don't, I, I, again, I didn't I think it was like a conscious thing where I was like, I, envy's my thing, but it is. I mean, it, it's, it's, I think I've, it's a subtler thing for me. Or I've buried it so deep somehow. But, um, but I guess in my life, what does that look like? Um, I, you know, to be honest, it, it, I find the people that I'm most irritated with or annoyed with, I, I, I could trace it back to that very thing. I'm envious of them. Um, and I, I have a couple people in mind right now that I, I, I just kind of go, I, I have this like, I just don't like them. Um, and I, when I've sat with that before, <clears throat> it, it, it became very clear to me that it was an env- it, definitely an envy thing. Mm. Um, I was jealous or envious of something that I perceived that they had that I didn't. And, um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of times that's a sign for me. It's usually things when I'm, I'm a little put off by somebody, I start to ask my myself that question am I what is it about this person that I might be envious about because mm-hmm. I've I have found that that's usually kind of the root
1: yeah and you're actually just you know sort of highlighting something that is great about the Enneagram just in terms of transformational work you know is it begins to like give language to some things right and and so you know if you know the Enneagram you know you're a four, you start to feel afflictive emotions or you know n- you feel negatively towards someone, you can stop and ask yourself, am I envious right now? It's just because you know that's part of the pattern. You mm-hmm. know, like, is this somehow or another linked to my struggle with the passion of envy? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm totally envious of people. I mean, I can, I can, you know, it's hard for me actually to, you know, always, ca- I mean, I can catch myself now, you know, mm-hmm. like going, oh, I know what this is, mm-hmm. you know. partly because I've also learned to um, identify what envy feels like in the body. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think like, if you start to do some advanced enneagram work i think you do start to realize okay when i feel certain things i actually do feel them in certain places in my body hmm. you know what i mean like it, it's like a sensation in my chest or in my bottom of my throat i'm like oh i know what that is hmm. that's envy. where do you
2: find that envy um exists in your
1: i, I can tell you right where it is experience. it's right here what is this that my solar plexus what is that you know it's like a i can just this is gonna sound all new agey and weird yeah but 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 literally i can know that feeling that emptiness that feeling of of it's like a a craving feeling you know which is like Mm. i want what you have Mm. feeling and i feel less lesser than because you have it and i don't
3: Mm.
1: does that make sense Mm -hmm. and i i really um you know i you know sometimes when i'm working with people in counseling in the past i'll say where does that exist in your body because your body doesn't lie you know it keeps a score right Right. so it i can just say man oh i know that feeling and then i can look at it and go and never i never prosecute it. i just look at it and go oh hey Hmm. how you doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) i see you and you know is what you're saying to yourself right Hmm. now is it true Hmm. you know and i can just sort of let it go Yeah, envy's a very powerful creature, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And the older you get, the more disguises it shows up in, you know? Yeah. I felt it bad in high school. Did you feel bad in high school? Definitely
2: in high school, for sure. Yeah, very much so.
1: Golly, I grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut, this super wealthy town, and we had a family that my family had been very wealthy at one time, lost everything Mm. uh, due to a series of bad decisions on my father's part. But I can remember looking at all the other rich kids, And on their lives and constantly thinking, why did, why did we lose it? Why? Mm. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there's that abandonment and Mm -hmm. loss theme that Mm -hmm. runs through the lives of Mm. kids uh, who are fours. And it sounds like, was that, when you look back on your life, can you sort of pick out a moment and say, that's where this suspicion that I was missing something began? Mm. Is there like some paradise lost moment where you think that might have been the, Contributed to the, your becoming a four.
3: Hmm.
2: Interesting. I man, I've never really thought about that. I it, immediately what comes to mind is I. I grew up in Levittown, Pennsylvania, until I was about ten or eleven. We moved to an Atlanta suburb, and um, I would say at that point in my life is when I felt the missing piece thing most pronounced was when I was 10 or 11 and I went into a new public school mm. and I was not in sort of the, I went to a private school in 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 when I lived in Pennsylvania, my mom was a teacher there. So we kind of grew up very much just shepherded along and everything. And there wasn't really, there wasn't really the moment of kind of being kind of thrown in the middle of a, you know, a general sort of, um, room of people I was just with people who all went to a private school and wore the same shirts right. and there wasn't really any of that sort of obvious uh, I don't know social distinctions if that makes sense and so going to a public school for the first time when I was 11 I think was the first time I felt I felt that the most um, clearly is this sort of I am I, I don't know what it is but I I don't know how to Integrate into this group of people um, in any way. I felt very much like an outsider, and 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 naturally, I think to some degree, most people would feel like an outsider going into a new situation like that. But but have maybe an easier time integrating mm. um, than I did. It took me a while, and I think at that point actually was when I really my mom. I mean, I, I had my mom was very much like needed me to look neat all the time, and I hated it. I mean, ever since I was a kid. But
1: your mama won. Uh I
2: don't think so. Um, I, I'm, I'm still a little puzzled with my mom.
1: Um, let's just end the interview right there. Still... <laughs> I think everyone's going to relate to that right away. Let's yeah, go... I'm now let's still go to our sponsor. A little
2: puzzled by my mom. But, uh, you know, I, yeah. And so I, you know, I was always, when I was a kid, I was, my mom wanted to brush my hair that way. And I would immediately just mess my hair up or they'd pull my tie up and I'd pull it down. And I just could never. I never felt good being tidied up, never. And I I hated it. And so as soon as I got to pu- public school, you know, my mom's still trying to buy me clothes and I was just like, forget it. And I, I went in and I... I, I started to develop my own thing and i I, I was a skateboarder I, I I started skating was obsessed with skateboarding i I started to you know grow my bangs out long and I I shaved the side of my head because I remember there was one this is totally <laughs> off the off the path but um I remember one time I, my parents would they would take me to the barbershop and I told them I was like no I want my my bangs to be long and you can cut up the back and they just went in and clipped my all my hair off and I remember at that point I was like. I had a big just like, nope, that felt like such a violation. I felt like I told you how I wanted you to cut my hair. And this sounds so petty as I'm talking about it, but I was 10 or 11 and I remember I was like, no, this is how I want my hair to look. And they just, they were like, no, you're, you're a young boy, you know, and they clipped all my hair off. And I, that's probably why to this day I, I don't cut my hair.
0: <laughs> it's, just like, it's probably something I really have to work
2: on. But I, but I do remember at that point in time, I was like, no, I, I'm going to do my thing. And I remember I started becoming like a, just a militant, individualist just like i'm going to do my thing
1: okay so this is like a big theme for Forrest, which is authenticity mm-hmm. i have to be my own yes self-expressive you know human being um so i, I often ask for you know what was your actually it was with actually it was with uh anthony who's in the room here my producer engineer his wife mk is a four and one night but she was unsure she was a four right hmm. so we're I'm, I'm, she's, said, you know, I'm asking her a bunch of questions. We're around a fire pit one night. She's trying to get her type, you know, and she's going all over the map. And after about two hours, I go, what's your favorite book in high school? <laughs> was it? No, I said, you tell the story of how we figured out MK was a
0: four. Well, to begin with, it was hilarious because she's so four, she couldn't be typed, right? <laughs> yeah, well, this is a great point. She hates the test. Don't put a test on oh, it. No, no.
1: Fours are the type on the Enneagram that most resists being typed. Hmm. it is it's just a fact if someone says to you I don't, i'm not one of these types you know I'm, i don't have a type i go oh no
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i can yeah. tell you what type <laughs> i can tell you what type you are <laughs>
1: so go ahead and keep going
0: right so it was about an hour or two in and all these little clues started to fall into place and then finally ian asked the question in high school did you read catcher in the rye and she said oh not only did i read it i carried it around with me every day <laughs> and he was like score both of <laughs> his hands up touchdown it was just like
1: yeah well uh, then she I said to her, and then when I told her she says, well why didn't you ask me that first you know but it would saved us two hours <laughs> I was like well but the reason is is because f- f- fours so identify with Holden Caulfield who mm. hated phonies mm. who was very very fixated on authenticity so the mm-hmm. whole barber shop experience you know really speaks to you know, a big moment, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what I want. This is who I am.
2: That's why, yeah, that's why I think why it felt profoundly violating to me, even though you feel like it's, it's a haircut, right? like big deal. But to me, it was like, no, this is me. This is what I want to be. And this somehow is a huge violation Mm. of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this envy thing, this missing piece thing generates kind of like, we're not hard to disappoint. I like to say, you know, it's not hard to disappoint a four. (laughs) <laughs> you know uh and, and and it's not hard to arouse a sense of dissatisfaction in a right. four, which yeah. leads to a lot of melancholy right we're mm-hmm. prone to melancholy mm-hmm. um are you a melancholic person
2: <laughs> yes i mean i it's funny i to some degree don't consider myself being i i have certainly have times and seasons in my life where i was profoundly melancholic um generally i don't I guess maybe I've become a bit healthier, um, but friends of mine would say absolutely melancholic, like somebody who's withdrawn, sort of in themselves. And I don't think of myself as moody either, but I have friends who are like, no, you, you have these things where you go into this dark space all of a sudden, or you're kind of, But I don't feel that I'm that way personally, mm-hmm. but I do get that feedback a lot that that I'm perceived specifically melancholic, and I suppose that I am. I may, Maybe it's such a part of myself. It's sort of like, you know, asking the fish how the water is. It's exactly. like, uh, I don't know, just kind of this is where I live all the time. That's it's, right. You know, um, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I definitely have. I, I identify very much with anything that's melancholic. I, I'm drawn to it. Right. I have always been um, like poetry and, and literature that falls more on the sad side of things i just and and it's not sad to me right it's actually food yes
1: okay so this is big because i actually had somebody the other day at a workshop i think they were concerned about a four and they they raised their hand they said can you tell me the difference between melancholy and depression because Mm -hmm. i can't Mm -hmm. tell if this person in my life is either are they melancholic or they depression It's like how would you answer that question as a Mm -hmm. four who is well acquainted with melancholy right Mm -hmm. like what's the difference how would you describe it?
2: How would I describe the Yeah, how would you describe between... the
1: difference to help someone understand a four? Because what you I just think... said is it's food. Like you just described yeah. something actually pleasurable, not sure. something oppressive. and
2: I, I. How I would, I guess, describe the difference between de- being depressive and melancholic is that I think depressive feels more... Uh, Circumstantial and sort of environmental. So it has to do more with what's going on, maybe.
3: Okay.
2: Um. Maybe that that sounds a little too like I think melancholic is just a kind of a dispositional thing where it's like a, a little more with. Well, I guess when I say withdrawal, I mean kind of the ability to go into oneself and sort of mull over stuff and mm-hmm. and maybe to some degree ruminate on things that are not mm-hmm. positive. And I think that's. Um, like, and I think it's part of the missing piece thing yes. is sort of going into oneself and sort of exploring what that might be and finding like kind of going into the abyss and and, and looking around. And I think I think fours do that a lot. I, oh, I yeah. certainly do. I live in, mm-hmm. I think, and that's, I think is what's perceived as being melancholic um, or, or super sober. And, you know, and I do have that element of it, but I have, I'm not... Like that, I'm, I'm I'm a very optimistic person. I think I don't think I'm pessimistic, um, <clears throat> but I'm not afraid of I'm not afraid of sadness or darker sort of shadowy things. Uh, I just am not. I, I'm actually I'm drawn to it. And in people, I find myself in conversation. I'm always looking for that in them. Like, where's the, where's the, the shadowy part? Like, what's the, mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with wanting to know that because I, and and I don't know, I've not, I guess I haven't thought too much about it, but you know um, maybe I'm trying to find what that thing is in them that they're not aware of. Mm-hmm. That is that. Um, uh, I don't know how to explain that really, but I'm, I, I just am drawn to that. And it's not a, it's not a sad thing. I think it's, it's, it's it's very strange. I don't know how to explain that. It's
0: it's um. It's kind of home for you a little bit, right? If it does, it feels so very much at home. It's like you're finding a point of connection, right, with someone else. Yeah, yeah. I, can re- I can remember yeah. as a
1: kid, people would say, "Why don't you cheer up?" And I'd be like, "I'm not unhappy." Like, right. like, like I'd be like, <laughs> well, "Stop it!" You know. It's yeah. like actually, when I sit around and I would, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, I can remember as even as my, I had older brothers and they were. 10 years older so they were quite a bit older and they were the ones who introduced me to music Hmm. um and they had great taste in music and uh but i could sit around and you know listen to you know records that were really pretty kind of dark you know what Mm -hmm. i mean or or Mm -hmm. or, and and i but i felt happier than i mean it was but what it aroused in me was a moving into that space of where what is the meaning of life this depth this sort of space of the trans more transcendent space i wasn't it's like what victor hugo says mm. right melancholy is the happiness of being sad mm. and that's <laughs> that's great right
2: there you I go mean, that's end of to conversation. me
1: that's that's what i felt like it was yeah. a, it was a happy sad
2: yeah and i i've I, like ever since again people have made fun of me for this but um like my favorite instrument on the planet is the illen pipe. I um, do, <laughs> which is probably very, could we, very uh, poor could of we? me. Uh, but I, you know, air, Kel-
1: while you're on the Aran Islands, smoking a clove cigarette and drinking and
2: pipe, bottles
1: uh, of bourbon. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I no, I, I have, I have, and, and maybe this is some other thing, like some strange, like Irish connection. But uh, Celtic music has always felt. Like my soul, like yes. I, I've told people, like, if you want to know what my insides feel like, there's a there's a piece by um, Davey Spillane. He's a well-known Ellen Pipe player from Ireland. And um, there's a song uh, piece that he does called Midnight Walker. And I was like, if you want to know what my soul feels like, this is it right here. Um, it's, it's, it, and it's got the, and the Illen pipe for me, as I would describe it, which I think is the, it is the instrument of a four, I would say. I'm mm-hmm. going to dub it the instrument of four. It is, <clears throat> it has this ability to kind of tremble in these deep places that you, I mean, that's where you kind of feel this, ugh, this ache, this longing. And then it has this, it moves into this transcendent, beautiful and but it bends when it's getting there. it's not like a straight note it's like a, it bends and it cracks and it has all this stuff i uh, when i hear that instrument i hurt inside in the best way possible i i could listen and i would turn it i and had people like well, what's what's the titanic music dude like what's up with this like this is the most beautiful <laughs> music ever yeah the ellen pipe it's immediately titanic you know reference but um <clears throat> but yeah i think um that represents sort of this feeling uh, inside that sound, it, I mean, some people hear it as sad, you know, almost funeral music, and I don't hear it that way. I think it's such beautiful, achy, and longing. I guess that's another aspect of, of maybe the four personality is sort of, and again, it's it's all tied to this missing thing and longing for, you know, that missing piece right and the
1: unavailable um, the unattainable the right. unachievable right. that which oh
2: geez she, yeah. you're going into a whole nother world if you go <laughs> talk about that whole <laughs> obsession but you know
0: yeah it's that um well it kind of facilitates well, the feeling too right it yeah to me like that that whole all that music helps to facilitate yeah you i you into something yeah.
2: that um that you can that i i personally have great connection yes too and um uh i I could live in that. I just, that's, that's um, that ache, that movement, that ability to kind of go deep and to also to kind of, to, to, to move into higher places. Like all of that, I think represents the interior life that I've experienced and, and certainly people that I know to be a type four personality. Uh, I think that is the, the landscape inside the inner landscape so to speak um is this sort of rolling hills and beautiful places and meadow uh, just sort of a
1: it's you're just gonna a, use the word meadow weren't you <laughs> i
2: did that I <laughs> but uh yeah i need to get out of the the, the irish meadowy uh, no but i completely you
1: know. understand i mean if you know i i i think i even say this in the in in my book that if you had given me a choice as a kid at 15 do you want to go to you know, Disney World on an all, you know, all expenses paid, or do you want to go to the north of Ireland and sit on a rock and write songs and smoke cigarettes in the rain? Yeah. Which would you have more fun? I go, (laughs) there's not even a question. I don't even need that going right to Ireland, right? (laughs) Now a seven looks at me like my son and he's like, what, What why? What what are you thinking? You know, it's like, we're going to Disney. No, I'd much rather go to Ireland and sit on the rocks in the rain and, you know
2: you know i listen totally to van morrison
1: sing into the yes, mystic and yes. you know uh yeah it's like going to my inner world
0: i get it i get oh, it oh my gosh so speaking of music and songs yes i believe we're gonna have matthew sing us one right yes yeah well we were gonna have
1: matthew play a song weren't we yes that might actually might even capture this do you do you have a I song do for that. us i do
2: i have a song called o Theo.
1: Oh, Theo. That
2: so, we, uh, I wrote this actually with our friend Don Chaffer to bring oh, him back right. into the conversation. Um, we, uh, I was writing for Land of the Living and my record Land of the Living a handful of years ago. And <clears throat> I uh, was, had a, a long standing obsession with the person of Vincent Van Gogh, as they say.
1: A true, uh, uh, a real four. A
2: real maybe four. The, uh,
1: maybe the patron saint of all fours.
2: Yes, Indeed, yeah. I I, I was always um, and and drawn to him as a person, and what I knew of him um, <clears throat> as a as a as an individual, I I was just um, I don't know. Always just had a, a strange sort of uh, I don't I couldn't call it a kinship, but something that I related to mm. in him. And um and I had a friend years ago give me um. The book Dear Theo, which is just a collection of, of letters that he wrote to his brother Theo throughout his life and um, <clears throat> just got a deeper glimpse into this really unique beautiful soul um, mm. that I, I feel was wildly misunderstood in, in terms of, you know, growing up you'd hear he was the guy who, the crazy artist who cut his ear off, right? And that's sort of what you knew of Vincent um, Van Gogh, the artist, was this guy who cut his ear off. And, um, and then you kind of dive in to his the way he saw the world and how he perceived things and how acutely he paid attention to what was around him Mm -hmm. um and was troubled to some degree and i think and i think those who are aware and are and pay attention deal with the consequence of that which is the, the the beauty and the terror right it's sort of all of it um and so uh yeah, I think that's why I was drawn so much to him is mm. he, um, he seemed to represent that way of living, of, mm. of being so aware. So I, at some point, <clears throat> felt I had to write a song about it. And um, I invited um, our friend Don in because he's a brilliant writer and lyricist, but also a dear friend. And I was really struggling with how to whittle this down into a song. And so we sat in my studio at the time and um, Don sat, well, actually laid across... The couch and his, like some crazy socks he had on. And, um, and we would literally write lyrics down. I would, I would sit and, st- and I, a lot of times when I'm singing or writing, I'll just sing, you know, gibberish. Um, and just uh, disconnected words and stuff like that. That's kind of I call it speaking in tongues. I just kind of mm-hmm. start and just start singing it. It
1: word salad. Yeah.
2: And John mm-hmm. would sit there and it sounded like you said da 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 da, and he'd start something, and then we'd sit there and write lyrics on three by five cards and just kind of throw them at each other. Like, what do you think of this? What, what do you think of that? It's great. It's great. So we then we kind of whittled it down together, and um, and I finished the song. Oh Theo.
1: All right. Well, let's hear it.
3: Under the silence of water Into a sky full of birds Out from the land of our fathers I am falling on Dark as the night of a preacher I made a bed out of hay They paid me a handful of money But I gave it all away All away And the righteous raise their stones And the devil threw his arrows I was longing In the half-light of the city She took off all of her clothes I flew from the height of the mountain Into the valley of dry bones All alone And my heart was still unknown I was drunk and full of sorrows, I was longing for a home with no I set fires of starlight to burn up against the despair. I was caught in the tangles of midnight's long unanswered.
1: That, that is an extraordinary song. And thank you. If if <laughs> really you just gave people such a snapshot or a uh, picture of the worldview of a four, there's so much longing in that song, so much empathy for Vincent in the song. Um, and what you've done so beautifully there is what fours can do for people in general. It, which is you made it safe. You took people, um, almost like Virgil and Dante, right? Uh, Dante's Virgil. You, you, you were a guide. You, you, you helped bring people into a space emotionally. They would not either know how to go by themselves hmm. because they, uh, it's a, not a very safe space, you know? Hmm. Um, but you said, Hey, come with me for a few minutes. I'm going to show you, uh, an emotional landscape that maybe you're not familiar with, but you should be, hmm. and I'll make it safe. I'll take you there. And, uh, I just... It was just exquisite. Mm, thank, thank you. Thank you for it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Wow. I'm not not—I'm not sure we can say much else except that song is just... And I'll say another song of yours that I love is the song Land of the Living, mm. which was featured on Manchester, the soundtrack for Manchester by the Sea.
2: Oh, the trailer.
1: The trailer, the trailer right? Yeah. Okay, but mm-hmm. I have to say something about, about Manchester by the Sea because, first of all, this is a four story. I think people will appreciate it. <laughs> okay. So last new year's my son aiden and i aiden's a seven we were uh new year's eve we're by ourselves we're in connecticut in a town where we really don't know anybody else and you know we had no plans we had nothing to do nowhere to go and he's a seven and he's like you know tigger he's like bouncing off the walls we got to go do something i said well let's go see, let's go to the movies right and he's like oh yeah let's go to the movies so i took my son on new year's eve a seven to see Manchester by the Jeez. sea. Okay. What a downer. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah. So here we are. There are two people oh in the movie theater. Gosh. It's new year's Eve. First of all, no one in their right mind would go see oh Manchester. except gosh. a four. Right yeah. now at the end of the movie, I've got tears coming oh, down yeah. my face. I am wrecked in the most wonderful way i've had the best new year's eve mm-hmm. of my entire life mm-hmm. he is sitting next to me like saying i need a drip bag of prozac this is the <laughs> worst thing that, i mean it just goes to show you how different numbers see the world so differently for me mm-hmm. i was kind of in heaven i mean yeah. I, it was such a poignant film it mm. was it the feeling the landscape of the feelings in it were so genuine
3: mm. you
1: know, the whole thing just rang true to me mm. Now for a seven it was a disaster, right? In some ways. Oh, yeah. Now he he's smart enough to say, yeah, beautiful performances. Well, you know, he's a very smart kid. He's not, you know, a, a shallow person. But for me, I just felt so satisfied. It was food. Now for other people that would be more like a disaster. Oh yeah, you know, uh, experience. So anyhow, I yeah. I just it's had a to gut, mention that your That really movie is a gut puncher for sure. That film is. Yeah. I, oh yeah, totally. I, yeah, you
2: you go in, knowing it's going to be sad, but then they have this whole other aspect that you're not expecting, and it's and it's it's the gut punch. Mm-hmm. But it it is. It was, I thought it was. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. I By love. the
1: way, speaking of Forrest films, have you seen Lady Bird yet?
2: I have not. Okay.
1: No. Have you uh, seen Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri yet? that film no. okay these are two films by the way those of you who are listening these are two amazing films <clears> and they'd be really good films for fours to, Okay. if you want to know a little bit there's some fours in both of those films that are worth uh, and there's worth, Loving Vincent as well which and I Loving just, Vincent just which I missed the other day going yeah. with you guys yeah
2: it's, it's fantastic
1: right I've yeah. heard that the I mean, it's all done with illustrations right it's all it's all painting animation yeah.
2: right? all painting there, I think there were 66,000 paintings to make the film Oh my gosh. It's crazy. It's really fantastic.
1: Well, we can't finish up on fours until we talk about feelings and relationships, Mm. right? Oh, geez. Okay. (laughs) Let's start with feelings for a second, right? Now, we were talking about how twos, threes, and fours all struggle with identity. And one of the sort of the places fours get their identity from is from their feelings, right? They're in their feeling triad, the heart triad. But... Unlike all the other numbers, fours don't just have feelings. They are their feelings. Mm. You know, that's a hallmark feature of fours, Mm. right? They are all into their feelings. Um, And of course, that affects relationships pretty dramatically. Mm. Uh, We're known for being tumultuous, high maintenance, right? When we're not very healthy. So I have a question for you. If I were to, I'll I'll make this easier for you. I'm not gonna make it your girlfriends. But if I were to get all of your ex-girlfriends into a room... (laughs) And we'll say friends in general. How's that? Sure. But, uh, and I said to him, "Okay, this is a support group for friends of Matthew, former oh, girlfriends of Matthew. Uh, <clears throat> what would they say? It was like being in a relationship with you."
2: Oh, jeez. <sighs> I, uh... jeez. I mean, I'm I'm going <laughs> to have to call myself out on the carpet. I mean, I you know I. I don't know, but I would assume, um, and I, you know, honestly, I never dated a whole lot. So I haven't dated a ton of people, but. um, Well, it could just be friends too. I would say, I would say, um, intense, I guess if that's one word that uh, I've been, uh, people have used to describe me, it would be intense. I would say more so in my 20s. <clears throat> I would definitely have been described as intense. I could not hold a casual conversation with people. Yes. Um and I had to learn t- the value of small talk. Um I couldn't I couldn't have small talk. And actually a girl I dated at the time would comment on that. She's like you can't ju- you can't just have small talk with people. Nope. I'm like I don't I'm not interested. I will Irish exit any situation if I just have to sit here in a room and have small talk with people. I don't want it. And I, what ends up I usually corner one person so i find somebody that i can connect with and have some kind of meaningful conversation okay.
1: connect with them. this is important because this is my experience i think this is, a, this is universally true of force we really don't have much time for shallow conversation because people who are we, we perceive people who go there as just being superficial what, yeah. what what we really want is to be met by another person in the deepest emotional pl- and we go there so fast yeah, that it's for some people it's like being on a roller coaster it's like you know we're going yeah. right straight down into the depths you yes. know yes um could scare the jeez out of people
2: yes and i that certainly in my relationships that is the case i am i go one to a hundred um or zero to a hundred whatever it is uh uh in ter- and in terms of emotional um Getting to know somebody on an emotional level um, and not really interested in in the fact exchange, Mm -hmm. so to speak, Um, wanting to kind of dig into uh, always looking for the wound in another person. Mm -hmm.
1: Because that's what's interesting.
2: It, it is what's That's what's really the most... I, I, you know, and I do still feel like that is... It <laughs> is totally what is what the most interesting thing. Interesting. I am not interested in anything else yeah. except
1: tell me, your, tell me about Accomplishments, your Accomplishments,
2: whatever. That's no, cool, no, fun. No. Uh, but where do you hurt? Like that's totally. <laughs> that's what I want to know. Totally. And so I think... And I've learned to temper that um, in order to, to retain some social life. Right. Yeah, to, um, mean, to,
1: to have a job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I've learned to temper it, right?
2: And well, this is probably why I kept the job that I have because the place where I can actually kind of engage that stuff. Um, But yeah, I would say uh, relationally uh, intense would be one. Um, At certain times, probably moody. Um,
1: Mercurial, you mean? Mercurial, uh, yeah. I
2: mean, just kind of, yeah. I mean, I don't find, and maybe I'm completely uh, in denial about this, but um, I feel like to some degree, I, I, I have some level of sort of almost six ish type ways of kind of, that may seem a little not, not as mercurial externally. Um, but I think people that really know me uh, know when the weather inside is shifting. And um, um, so I would say people in my, in relationships. Yeah. I think that would be one thing for sure is sort of uh, and this, 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 this place of kind of going inward which is a place I go a lot and withdrawn and sort of checking out and kind mm-hmm. of, um, which seems like the kind of the push pull type of thing Yes, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm engaging and then I'm going to go back into myself. And especially the whole, um, withdrawing out of a sense of defect. Mm-hmm. And anytime I feel like there's something wrong, I have to work it out, but I'm kind of like a cat. I need to go yeah. away by myself and work it out and then come back. Yes. You know? Yeah.
1: Um, how does your spouse deal with that?
2: my former spouse is a nine and I think in, in certain ways uh, I was very difficult Mm -hmm. to be with. I I think I scared the shit out of her definitely in the early part of our relationship in that, you know um, I was very expressive, very much knew what I wanted, and what I thought, what I felt, what I wanted, you know, that whole thing. And I think, uh, and and also just like whimsical sort of like um, if I was like, I'm, tired of this town I, I, I want to go back to atlanta or whatever and all of a sudden, oh wait are we moving to atlanta now like what's the deal i'm like and i'm also very external mm-hmm. in that sense can be an external process. you're preaching
1: and, to me brother keep going
2: <laughs> so i think that was probably i'm sure was challenging um i know was challenging um in the sense of uh and and, and intense just like being everything was Intense. Everything was, was everything
1: Shakespearean in in scope. Was it Wagnerian opera? I mean, was it you know? Was it just everything is a big bigger feeling than other people have? It's a yeah, bigger, oh, for sure right emotive absolutely. deal right absolutely
2: yeah and I think, yeah especially in in more intimate relationships I think I think generally um, those are the people that experience the mm-hmm. the sort of that mercurial. You know shifting and change of weather and all that kind of stuff that happens I think people on the outside don't see that as much I think I can be a fairly stoic for Mm -hmm. um or seemingly stoic for um so on the outside I think I'm perceived sometimes in general um by people who don't know me super well as sort of you know quiet and sort of reserved and kind of constant you know that way but um but certainly people who know me well know a different mm-hmm. aspect at least
1: I definitely have as a four i i i, I am moody and i can uh, I've learned though that uh, as I've gotten older, not in my twenties drinking crazy hmm. part of that was the need i just wanted bigger feelings i mean I just never met a feeling I didn't want to have to either I didn't want to change or I didn't mm-hmm. want to make bigger mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. or to create something bigger out of you mm-hmm. know. But I think that uh with myself sometimes it's not just I'm not only just sometimes withdrawing because of my own sense of lack, but sometimes in response to what I perceive as lacking and what's lacking in others Do you know what I mean disappointment mm-hmm. that uh, you know sure. of, of what's missing in others or in the world around me, and then oh, yeah. withdrawing as well mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. in sort of disappointment now the mood shifts the weather patterns for me are not as fast moving as they used to be mm-hmm. I'm older, been through a lot of stuff, so I've learned a little bit more about equanimity, you know. Which mm. the Buddhists talk about really great. I mean, they're just fantastic at describing this state of emotional balance in the presence of whatever life might throw at you. Mm-hmm. Now, as a young man, I had no equanimity, you know. Mm. But as a four, I just know that's that's my growing plan is always right. to live in, with more of a sense of mm-hmm. emotional stability, not emotional lability. You know mm-hmm. that crazy roller coaster ride that characterized my my earlier years mm-hmm. you know so just kind of like wrapping up what do you think uh well, yeah, let me yeah let me ask you this question what would you want everyone to know about force?
2: hmm oh <sighs> Well, this is this is probably a typical four answer in that I feel like fours That's why you're here. <laughs> fours are <laughs> Fours I think are often misunderstood people. Yes. And I that 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 could be very well my four perception of just being feeling misunderstood. But um I think there is when when seen uh for the rich parts of fours like what what fours can offer um, the, the, that sort of inner rich landscape that fours often have spent years developing, um, and know how to navigate in themselves. And I think also well with others. I mean, I've always been the person socially ever since high school, I, I um, mostly from my twenties on into now, I'm not the guy you call to come to the party. I'm just not that guy. But I am the guy you call when you're having a divorce or you're going through some horrible crisis in your life. It is just the role that I'm learning to go. That's just what I do. I'm not the guy. You're not going to call me to say, hey, let's we're going to the, you know, the lake this weekend and that, you know, because they know probably by now I'm going to be the guy who's going to sit you down and we're going to have a talk about life and what's going on. And, you know, it's just that's just how I work. And I've learned to kind of just be "Oh, that's cool. And I have I do have a great time with my friends. I'm not like Debbie Downer at all. I don't mean to say that. And I don't think fours are that way necessarily if they're healthier.
1: mm -mm. I think it's a cliche.
2: That, and I think that's the misunderstanding yes. is that there is sort of a, you know, kind of like, oh, if you're going to talk about that, you know, it's kind of a down or whatever. I think fours do, they draw, because I think fours see the beauty in 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 all of it, the the darker side of like, you know, uh, and so fours are wanting to draw that out in people. Because they I see do, the
1: tragic meaning, well, they see the tragic nature of existence. But what draws them to it isn't like this sort of depressed, sort of or nihilistic spirit. It's right. more like no, because I know in there I am going to find the deepest meaning of life yes. is in that tragic space. Yes. Um, so I think they 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 value what yeah. it can t- bring to us.
2: Yes, and I think that that is <clears throat> if I what what do I want people to know about fours is that uh, on the positive side, I think fours offer that um, because fours are not afraid of of the grittier stuff. Um, I think they, they offer not only just the ability to draw out things in other people, the shadowy parts that people are kind of keeping over there in the corner in their little bag, you know, um, to be, to kind of welcome that out a little bit more for their own sort of work of integration of the darker sides of things Mm -hmm. and and but to also bring a sense of beauty to it and a a sense of redemption yes um and i think that's the beauty part of a of a a, i think of a healthy functioning four um is um not just being obsessed with the dark but but also having a sense of of beauty and and some kind of redemptive Mm -hmm. um Storyline that can take place, you know. I, I I feel like that's why I say I'm not a pessimist at all. I'm, I'm certainly not a nihilist at all. Um, at at the core, I I know I believe, you know, in the sort of the Dostoevsky, you know, the world will be redeemed by beauty, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I I I believe that, and so I think uh, it, when fours are functioning in in their full healthy capacity, I think what they offer is a tremendous um, color palette to the emotional landscape and allowing other people to kind of come into their own, um, kind of rich emotional lives. Mm. Um, so in a, yeah, in a way, and obviously bringing creative, beautiful work, whether it's a, a wonderful uh, business that's done well and 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 cares about aesthetics, and you know, and I know that's sort of the the sort of the snooty can be a snooty part of it. It can
1: be if they're if they're not healthy, they'd be elitist and yeah, aloof. And I think,
2: I, but I, to see the beauty in that is like, yeah, beauty is wonderful mm-hmm. when you care about uh, you know. Aesthetic and you care about how people are experiencing something. I love that. I love people yeah. that, when it, it doesn't have to be a painting. It can be a restaurant, you know? Uh, you know, there's a lot of fours who are starting great restaurants that feel wonderful, and people have these wonderful experiences and rich, you know, uh, experiences in how they are enjoying food and the environment and the atmosphere and, the, you know, all of that stuff. And I think that's, that's the beauty that fours bring into the world is this sort of rich Richness, I think mm-hmm. you know, and and depth and um, pathos,
3: yeah, right,
2: yeah, and relate and relation, you, you yeah. can relate, and I like I said that, that 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 role that I tend to fill with with friends and sometimes people who aren't friends who just have that sense of like I can tell you stuff, you know, and darker stuff, and I've for whatever reason, some people sense that, and that's that's kind of, and I feel that's cool. I can yeah. I can hang with that, I'm, I'm down with keeping that role. I yeah. suppose
1: I think. It's funny, I, I that that's been my experience. I became a therapist and a priest in part because mm-hmm. it was natural for me the mm-hmm. the 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 priest thing was the liturgy and the Eucharist. It was operating in that metaphorical, transcendent plane that moved me. I didn't really care about preaching. It was the Eucharist and the the liturgy that mm-hmm. blew my mind. you know, mm-hmm. that was so beautiful to mm-hmm. me. And I think as a therapist, it's just because uh, you can pretty much tell me anything, and I'm not judgmental. Mm-hmm. I'm, my mind is like, yeah. Life is really hard, Mm. and we're not consulted about a lot of things that we end up having to wrestle with, you know. Mm. And, uh, but let's go digging together to find out what the meaning of this suffering is, Mm. you know, what how can this, uh, how can the lotus grow in the mud, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. to borrow a Buddhist idea. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so that it's, you know, there's something beautiful, it's not naive. I'm not being like, oh, you know, finding the pony under the crab. You know what sure, I mean? It's like, yeah. no, I think there's something to be had here that's beautiful.
2: Absolutely. You know?
1: So we close out, usually our shows, with just talking about some tips for folks that are on the journey toward transformation. So here's a couple for fours. and You can th- throw one in if you'd like mm-hmm. or, or comment on one. So the the first thing i tell you if you're a four and you're beginning to do some spiritual work, um, the first thing I'd say is to, and this is actually true for every number, but be sure to offer yourself The gift of unconditional self-friendship as you do your work.
3: Mm.
1: You know, fours can be very Mm self-critical, really self-critical. They can be—because they are are exquisitely attuned not only to beauty but to shame. Mm -hmm. They are very in touch with shame. That feeling of Mm -hmm. there's something just really constitutionally busted inside Mm -hmm. of me, you know. Mm -hmm. And so they have to be careful when they do their work that they they they. I always tell them to adopt the gaze of the loving mother,
3: hmm. as
1: you look at yourself hmm. and you do your work. It has to you have to do this work in 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 a climate of compassion, you know. Um, and to not, never give up on yourself. Because I think fours are prone to giving up on themselves. They do feel misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I mean, there people, a friend of mine says, you know, fours always feel misunderstood. You know why? Because they are misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you they go. just are. That's you know? true. They're misunderstood by themselves and by others. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. why we're always explaining ourselves mm-hmm. at great length oh, to geez. people.
2: Uh, side note, <laughs> anyone who knows me well, that would be the one thing of just my, my incurable need To over explain myself oh
1: it is a hallmark feature of force they can't stop
2: (laughs) that's probably one thing i'm really trying to work on okay
1: so you understand like that's one of the beautiful things about a song right or a you know a book not so much but but Hmm. with songs you only got three and a half four minutes to press everything you're feeling some something into that i mean that's you know thank god you see that you have that because mm. this is why i always tell people like with why the, why why are four so drawn to creative fields or the arts let's say well it's because when you have that overwhelming amount of fe- all the the feelings like this tidal wave of feelings eventually human language fails to capture what it is you're trying to say Mm -hmm. so you've got to find another medium Mm -hmm. route to get it out and Mm -hmm. and it has to be somewhat efficient right so you know music sculpture art dance whatever it is Mm -hmm. you got to find another way to say the something that you know captures this wild interior Mm. emotional thing going on inside Mm -hmm. you know so anyway, unconditional self-friendship. <laughs> See, yeah, we went right off go. the track right there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'd say another thing is is to also to look for beauty and uh, for meaning not only in the extraordinary but also in the ordinary. Mm-hmm. You know, like to realize that even as a friend of mine as a force says, you know, I, I've learned to when I'm even just washing the dishes to appreciate the warmth of the water. You know, like mm-hmm. like I don't everything doesn't need to be some mm-hmm. you know seismic. Aesthetic experience to be beautiful. I don't have to have the extraordinary; just the ordinary. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a friend of mine. Before, makes makes herself go to Kroger to buy groceries instead of to the Korean market. You know, where the (laughs) on the other side of town where only the special food can be bought. You know, and I'd say another one is uh, to remember. And this is a Jack Cornfield quote. I love Jack Cornfield. He he says, "No emotion is final." And I remind myself of that probably three or four times a week when I go into one of my funk spaces, you know, or into a anger about something or sadness, whatever. I just go, oh, well, no emotion is final. Mm-hmm. That's know? also
2: Rilka. You know, right? you feel it all. The beauty and the terror, no feeling is final. Right. You just keep going. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's where Jack got it from, no doubt. I would imagine No so. emotion is final. All right. Well, that's all that we, we have for today. If you... um. Enjoyed uh, our show, or you have some suggestions for future episodes and guests, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, typologypodcast.com, and submit a question or comment. And if you're up for it, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It really helps. Folks find our show, Matthew. Thanks for being on here. I know. Yeah,
3: my pleasure.
2: People
1: can get to your website at mpjmusic.com. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. And you've got a, you're working on a new record right now.
2: Just wrapping it up. Yeah, it oh, should be out in the springtime. Good. So
1: a little, little ways away, but. Yeah. Man, that's going to be good. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. Well, friends, until next week. Remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde, who too was a four on the Enneagram. Oh, shocker. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. See ya.